The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shalene Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. With more than 25 years of experience in a variety of businesses, I promise to share with you the ins, the outs, my failures, and successes. And my goal is to share with you these social media money-making strategies to turn your idea into passive income. Every week, my son, Brock, and I will share with you perspectives that will serve you regardless of the stage that you're at in your business. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, Mom, this one's all you. Today, you're in for a treat. I will be interviewing Michael Stelzner. Michael Stelzner is just one of those people I like to refer to as a behind-the-scenes rock star. Here's what I mean by that. People know who he is. Like, everyone knows who he is, but he doesn't need to be front and center. He doesn't need you to know his name. He wants the brand and the community to be the star. Michael happens to be the founder of Social Media Examiner, which is just a prolific blog resource. I can't even call it a blog. It's a resource. It's a place to go when you want to know what's happening in social media. It's one of my go-to resources. He's also the podcast host for Social Media Marketing. Michael is also the man behind one of the best conferences that you can go to. If you're really looking for a conference to go to, to understand kind of every possible thing you could know about social media and to network with the up and coming stars, the thought leaders, and the people who are really willing to share their answers, well, then you want to be at Social Media Marketing World this year, which by the way, I will be speaking there this year. It's in San Diego. It's an amazing event. So much fun. So much variety a great place to go. I can't think of one that's bigger or better, to be honest. So I highly recommend you check that out. But in the meantime, I invited Michael on today, not to talk about social media so much, but to talk about what it is he's done, like how he's built this big brand and how it is he manages a team, many of whom are virtual staffers, and how he keeps them motivated and how he keeps them engaged and how he finds the right people. Because let's face it, your business isn't going to get much bigger if it's just you, boo. You need more people. You need the right people. And the right people are what makes what you do fun, enjoyable, worthwhile. You don't just want people around you who you don't love and enjoy. You've got to have the right people around you. And Michael really knows how to do that. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Mike, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me today. Anytime, Shalene. Anytime. Well, it's always great to have you back. It's always for me, it's a treat because I learned so much from you, not just about business and social media, but just really like people and theories and, you know, just the way that you approach business to me is something I really resonate with. Today, I wanted to have you on because I think for so many of the listeners of Build Your Tribe, you know, they see you, right? Or they see your company and they assume that it just means you hustle harder than the average person. But I happen to know that you are a great leader. And I was hoping that today we could just have a conversation about really 
leadership in business. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I'm excited. What would you say is the number one thing that made the difference for you taking your business from an idea to where you are today? You had to pick like one thing. Oh my gosh, that's a big question. I think it's about not getting too wound up in the big picture and focusing on just what's in front of you and getting Mm -hmm. that done and then focusing on the next thing and getting that done. Because I think if we want to build something huge, like if you could step into the past, Shalene, would you Mm -hmm. want the Shalene Johnson who's just getting started with all this stuff to realize how much you've accomplished? It might overwhelm you at first, right? And you might say, I can't even fathom how I could get there. And it might freak you out. Would it freak you out? It would freak me out. (laughs) Yeah. It does. Sometimes when people read my bio, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm tired. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's, I think my strategy has always been about just deal with, be smart and deal with what you need to do next. And don't worry about all that stuff that's way out there. You know, have a bit of a plan knowing it will fully change and just step into it. Take action. I think that has been my thing. I am an action taker and I am constantly course correcting. I'm never tied too much to the plan. And as a result, when things change, I ebb and I flow with it. A bit of a plan, you said, a bit of a plan. I think for so many entrepreneurs, we, especially those who are maybe a little paralyzed by perfectionism, we think we is precise plan and it needs to be spelled out. And that until it's like really spelled out, we can't take action. But you say a bit of a plan and you mentioned course correction. So when you say a bit of a plan and, you know, not looking at, or not, I shouldn't say not looking, but not focusing on big picture, do you literally think in terms of this month, this quarter, or this day? Okay, so let's unravel that. Let's just take something like my big audacious goal of getting 7,000 people to social media marketing world. I could freak out and say, I don't even know how I'm possibly ever going to get there. Was um, the number 7,000? 7,000, yeah. Which is 7,000. And a, what was it last year? We had 4,150. So that's like 50% plus growth. So, wow. so to get there, like it's not easy. And mm-hmm. you know what I do is I say, okay, there's a couple ways we can tackle this. First of all, I can figure out how many people I've already got committed and how many more I need to get. And then I can divide it out by the number of months that I have over my promotion and I can make a goal mm-hmm. to say, okay, this month, I just need to get this many people there. Mm -hmm. And that makes it a smaller, more achievable goal. And then what I do is I say, okay, I'm not going to worry about the other months because they're going to worry about themselves when the time comes. And I'm Mm -hmm. just going to focus this month on getting X number of hundreds of people there. Mm. How can I, what do I need to do to get that small goal accomplished this month? That's how I break down these really monstrous goals into tiny little goals. Just golden. Um, Michael, how many employees do you have today? And and I guess I would ask you to also include consultants. Uh, if I include contractors, I have somewhere between mm-hmm. 65 and 70. But if I count W-2 employees, which are, you know, legal employees, I have 17. Sure. Oh, wow. That's huge. Wow. What a difference. So what is different maybe today about your theories when it comes to hiring someone that's a, a full-time employee? Versus using consultants, like generally speaking, what's your... Well, when I first started and I was really small, and I'm still small in the grand scheme of things compared to a lot of other businesses, but 
when I was super small and it was just me, I looked at business like I was the general contractor and then I would sub stuff out to specialists, right? So you would hire Mm -hmm. someone who's a specialist in this or a specialist in that. And I paid them well because I wanted to be their best client. So in the beginning, it was all about me treating them well, compensating them well, making them feel like they're part of the team, even though they're not, and they have other competing opportunities that are in front of them. And that works until a certain point. And then at a certain point, you get to the point where you're like, all right, I'm needing certain kinds of contractors and it gets harder because they are not available to me when I need them. And Mm. it's at that juncture point where you say, okay, I don't have the skills. I'm weak in this area and I need to hire someone. So a lot of times in the beginning, it was me hiring those contractors full time. So they would Mm. start out as a contractor, which was almost a test run. They got to know me, I got to know them, and then I would hire them full time. That was my easy on road in the beginning. It got a little harder mm-hmm. as I got bigger, obviously. It got a little what, did you say? A little harder. Got- it got a lot harder, actually. <laughs> the bigger you get, the harder it is to hire people because as you get bigger, you need to like let go of a lot of things. Wait a second. This is interesting. So you feel like it's gotten harder. And by harder, do you mean more important? You know, like what does that yes, mean? Yes, I, I mean it becomes more essential to the business operations. Mm. So in the beginning, it's just you, and you do everything, and you are the superhero. And then eventually, mm-hmm. you reach a point where you freak out. I'm sure you've been there, Shalene, and you hire some <laughs> sort of an assistant, mm-hmm. right, as your first hire. Mm-hmm. And that person starts as a contractor, and then maybe becomes a full time employee. You know, for me, her name was Irene. You know, and now she's retired. And, um, you know, that was the best decision I ever made in my life. And then eventually, you know, you start realizing, wow, I actually love letting things go that I just am not good at or that I hate doing. And then you get other contractors. But then when you get to a certain size, you realize the only way we're going to grow this business is if we actually hire super people, people that are way smarter than me that know way more than I do. Because in the beginning, Shalene, it's us training everyone we hire. Have you found that to be true? Eventually, the new hires need to train us because they know things we just don't know. Oh, gosh, amen. What advice do you have for the individual who is like, I just can't. My business is not making me money. And they are spending all of their time trying to make their business profitable. The thought of even hiring someone part-time as a consultant, they just aren't willing to accept that idea because they think I can figure this out. And if I figure this out, then I'm saving myself money because I'm not making money yet. What do you say to that person? I say to that person that they're not thinking like an investor. And Mm -hmm. I think we who own businesses need to think like investors. And what I mean by that is if you take an employee and let's just come up with a nice round number that's kind of high, but for California, you know, it's not super high. Let's say you pay them $10,000 a month, $120,000 a year, or let's just say you hire someone for $100,000 and it costs you $120,000 with benefits and everything. That might sound outrageously high to someone who's listening right now and split it in half, fine. But let's just say, you know, it's not like you're just forking up $120,000 today. You know, you're actually distributing that over 12 months. So let's say you made a $10,000 investment in someone who was a salesperson. And let's say that that salesperson was able to bring in $20,000 a month. Would you be willing to make an investment if you put down $10,000 and you got $20,000 back every month? Would that be a smart investment? Yeah. Well, (laughs) 
Now start thinking about this in a different way. Let's just not say it's about money, but maybe it's about time. Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to say to yourself, I'm putting in 80 to 100 hours a week and I'm killing myself. Is it worth it for me to invest in something to bring sanity and peace of mind back to me so that I actually love my work and so that I can refocus on the things that are going to grow this company? Would that be an investment worth making? For a lot of people, it would. And it's not as expensive as you think. It could just literally be 10 or $15 an hour to a contractor, 10 hours a week. And, That's you, right. you know, and, and if you think of everything like an investment, you're investing in your future business. You're investing in your future self because there is no way that you will grow forever. You're going to hit a glass ceiling that you cannot grow anymore financially. And you got to go back to the reason you went in business in the first place. Maybe it's mm-hmm. financial freedom. Maybe it's actually peace of mind. Maybe it's mm-hmm. so that you don't have to work for the man and you can actually take those vacations. But the reality of work is that that'll never happen if you're not willing to invest in the growing of your business. To play devil's advocate, what if I just, like I can't get blood from a turnip, I don't have the additional income, I don't have that luxury right now. Then in invest, my mind, in, invest in marketing. To even bring on someone uh, 10 hours a week. Okay, so hypothetically, if you're saying I can't afford to hire anyone because I'm not making any money, that's what I'm hearing you say, am I right? Yep. Yep. Okay. If you can't afford to hire anyone because you're not making any money, then why are you in business is the first question. Why are you going to continue to to make no money? That means you can't even maybe afford to pay yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I would say you have two choices. Hire someone who can make you money or quit Mm. because (laughs) because those are your options, right? Why would you continue to do something that's not working? Yeah. Yeah. So hire someone who can make you money or stop doing it and do something that will make you money. It's a math problem. I love this perspective. And of course, I'm playing devil's advocate, but this is what I hear so often. And I think the person who has this mindset would come back at you and say, well, I know I will make money. I just need to work harder and not spend anything more. And if I just grind and hustle a little longer, I'm going to be able to make this thing pop. And then I'll be able to hire someone. Mm Mm-hmm. I hear you. What I would challenge this person is I would say, okay, at what point are you willing to say, I know I need help? Mm -hmm. You know, I would say, okay, fine, go ahead, give yourself a goal. I'm going to hustle for another 30 days or 60 days. And if I do not achieve X and it needs to be clear deliverable, then I will do Y, right? Which means I will take out a loan or I will beg borrow from my family and I will go and hire someone. Because here's the thing, Shalene, you know this well. What makes money is marketing and sales. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't even need a product. You just need marketing and sales to make money. Yeah. And if you cannot market or you cannot sell, then you will not make money. People don't mm-hmm. come out of the ether and throw money at you. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you don't exactly. have the, those skills, you need to find someone who does. And that's something worth paying for because you will see an immediate return on investment. It's just that important. So I've made that shift. I've made that decision that, okay, I get it. In order to take my business to the next level, to be more profitable, I need the right people. I don't even know what I would have them start with. How is it you think someone who's made that mental shift, where do they begin when it comes to figuring out which of the things first need to be offloaded to someone who's got more expertise? I would do a little self-analysis and I would say, what is it that I'm exceptionally good at? What am I the best in the world at? 
Shalene, you're a really good salesperson. I would never take you off camera. You are very, very, very good at selling. But I wouldn't send you door to door. I would only record you and distribute it. So if you need a door to door salesperson, I would get someone else because that's not a good use of Shalene's time. Yeah. In my case, I'm a really good writer. So I still write the headlines for all the articles on Social Media Examiner and I write most of the copy because it's my super skill. So, So I would ask anyone who's listening, what is your super skill that you're really, really, really good at that it's hard to replace? Then I would also ask, what is it that you're horrible at? What is it mm-hmm. that you just know you're no good at and you absolutely know you need help because you don't have time to learn it? You have to run the business. So what are you no good at? That's the second thing. And then mm-hmm. the third thing is, what do you hate doing? Shalene, what do you hate doing? <laughs> the details. like um, Time management, you know, project management. fine-tuning. Okay. Finances, that kind of stuff? Oh, for sure. Yeah. All of that stuff. Uh, operations. Even the technical stuff. Right. I, I don't love it. Okay. So that's another area that you can outsource. But see, here's the key to everything. First, you need to taste a little bit of a success. And that's why a lot of times people tend to hire an assistant as their first hire. And mm-hmm. I don't know, what was your first hire? Was it an assistant? Whether it was yeah, a contractor absolutely. or an employee, right? And then let me guess, once you hired an assistant, you tasted a little bit of that fine drink, didn't you? And you're like, I, I think I need more of this. <laughs> Am I Actually, right? You know, if I can rewind that a little bit, the very first hire that I made was, and I call it the Inez factor, is I hired someone to come in to my home and do laundry and clean three days a week when we were just buried in debt because I recognized the organization of my home had become my destination procrastination. Like I couldn't work unless I felt like all the laundry was done and the house was clean and everything was organized. So I could never work. (laughs) We brought someone in at my husband's insistence three days a week, which felt so ridiculous because we were in debt. And because I'm a mom with two kids, I should be able to do this. But her coming in gave me no excuse. Like I, those things got done. And that's what inspired me to go, wow, I wonder what would happen if I hired an assistant. And it just kept snowballing. If anybody's listening right now and they have someone who is a pool guy that cleans their pool or someone who <laughs> mows their lawn, or someone who's a housekeeper that comes in like every other week and just cleans the house. You know, mm-hmm. you already know the benefit of hiring people to do things you don't like to do or that you don't understand how to do. So True. why don't you do it for your business? Because if oh. you're willing to do it for your personal life, why would you not do it for your business when you can actually see a return on that investment? Boom, mic drop. <laughs> how, how do you get good at finding good people? Well, I think that, first of all, if they're contractors, you ask around. You know, in the same way, hey, anybody know a good pool guy? I mean, that's how it goes with the mm-hmm. pool guys, right? It's the same thing. I'm looking for someone to help with this. It's easy to do in social media. I need someone to help with Facebook ads. I need someone to help with Google ads. Who do I talk to? You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to be hard to find someone who's really good. And in the beginning, they're contractors and you're just one of many customers that they have. And just outsource those little tiny things and then say to yourself, I'm going to take the spoils, the winnings from that. I'm going to put it in a special account. And I'm going to build it up and I'm going to use that to hire the next person. So do you like the concept of bringing people on first as contractors, maybe to do some part-time or temporary or project-based work to get a sense of, okay, how do we work together and who is this person? Yeah, I strongly recommend that. But you know, for the listeners that are listening that have slightly bigger companies where they've already got like five or 10 full-time employees, at that point, you know, it's no longer a contractor thing. It's more of a, I got to find someone who's really high quality and full time. 
because once you get past a certain number of employees, you know how to find good people. And uh, it is risky, of course, because you could hire someone that could turn out to be a complete fail and then you got to let them go. <laughs> it's a lot easier when they're contractors because you just don't have work for them and you call them when you need them kind of a thing. Have you ever hired someone that you personally didn't interview? Yes. Believe how it or not. That turn out? It turned out pretty good because it was a different division of the company. You know what I mean? And I just trusted the division heads that this is what they need. So go ahead and hire that person. Because so often the contractors that we end up starting with are part-time, are temporary, and maybe not even working locally. What recommendations do you have for interviewing someone virtually? Okay. First of all, great question. When we interview people, whether they're a contractor or an employee, it's a pretty rigorous process. Mm. First and foremost, we put together a little survey, like on SurveyMonkey, and we make them fill out the survey. What are you looking for in that survey, if you don't mind We're asking asking. lots of questions. First of all, you know, we ask them questions about what are their aspirations. You know, do they want to be famous or do they want to be on a team that's a winning team? That's one of our trick questions. We never hire the people that want to be famous. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we also ask other questions like that are trick questions, you know, that may not sound like trick questions. And we ask them, you know, where are they located? What kind of restrictions do they have on their availability and time? Are they willing to come into the office if they're here in San Diego? And we just ask a series of questions about their skills at this point. And then we ask a couple of open-ended questions about how would you deal with this scenario? Then we export it all into a spreadsheet and we try to find maybe six or seven people that we think are really amazing. And then Mm -hmm. we go to the next level. And the next level is we actually give them a project and a deadline. So what we do is we tell them, hey, you've made it to the next level. Please complete this form. And it is due within 24 hours. And if they do not complete it, they're automatically eliminated. Wow. So, you know, because we give them, it's part of the test, you know, and in there, we will come up with scenarios that we deal with internally inside the company to see how they handle it. And then... Once that stage is done, then we'll start interviewing people. And then what we'll do is different people will get on a group interview and then they'll debrief afterwards. And then maybe eventually I'll interview the person. And then we decide whether we want to hire that person or not. And if we don't like any of the candidates, we start the process all over again. Oh, I love this. So you're not going to settle. If we can dial it back to the part where you give them a project and a deadline, which I freaking love. And we've done this too. And so I'm curious how you handle it in terms of compensation. So if you're asking them to do a project, which- It's not a project. It's more like, here's what we'll do. We'll say, um, here's a scenario. We would like to know how you would handle this scenario. That's it. Mm -hmm. And we tell them in an email, we say, please take a look at the attached Google Doc, you know, and we'll have like a unique one for each person. And we'll let them know that we need your answers no later than Thursday at midnight Pacific. That's it. So it's not really we're hiring them to do a project. We're giving them a Mm -hmm. scenario. And Mm -hmm. a series of questions. Like, for example, when we were hiring some editors for Social Media Examiner, we gave them a mock document and we said, how would you alter this? You know, and we did not compensate them. That was part of the assignment. If they want to be Mm -hmm. hired, they're going to have to do that. We didn't use their work. It's not like, you know, they were all getting the same assignment. We were comparing it, how people tackled it. And some people would do absolutely the minimum amount of work and some people would go overboard. And the ones that went overboard usually were the ones that got the next level. That's awesome. Because we want we've people done that, that are- too, uh, in, in kind of both ways, yeah. we've also hired, I guess you could say like, for example, like maybe it's editing, a photo editing. We might send four different contractors, the same small group of files, 
be willing to pay all four of them for the small sample, uh, knowing that what we were doing was looking for the person who, as you said, over-delivers, like really right. comes through, meets the deadline, exceeds our expectations. And we see it as an investment, even though we're paying for all four, because we might even find that we need more than one contractor. Because as you said, like the really great contractors, they tend to be pretty busy, you know, and if someone's got a lot of availability, that might be for a reason. So if we can get a couple of them out of that scenario, we see that as a, a smart investment. It's happened a so lot. So once you yeah. have had the opportunity to, you know, this person kind of makes it through each level, when you're interviewing someone, you're obviously looking for skill and also fit for your team. Right. How do you weigh those two things? Well, they have to fit with the culture, you know? So if- That first? Well, no, it's like we're just watching everything they're doing. So before we get on the interview with them, we've analyzed heavily what they've already submitted, right? So we're looking at their social profiles. We're looking at the answers that they've submitted. And, you know, we're looking at any email exchanges that happen. And then when we're actually interviewing them, we're asking them questions, you know, verbally. And we're just listening to how they respond to see whether it's a cultural fit. So it's not just how they answer, but it's also the way that they communicate when they answer. And you can sense it. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, you know, if your culture is all about service, which I, I'm guessing it probably is just like ours, we're going to ask a lot of questions that will help get at how they feel about certain kinds of things. And then we also might have them take the strength finders test as well, which is a really cool test mm-hmm. to kind of understand kind of what their strengths are and whether or not that's a good fit for the job. Because honestly, some people are really good at passing tests and really good at selling themselves, but may not actually have the skills for the job. Mm, yeah, this is true. How do you motivate your team and get out of the habit of micromanaging? It's uh, not easy. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, uh, my employees are all part of a, a bonus program. So if the company reaches its financial goals, they all get a percentage of their salary at the end of every year. And then if the company is, there's three tiers. So we have tier one, tier two, and tier three. Everybody in the company gets the same you know, bonus, which is just a percentage of their salary whether or not they're responsible for generating revenue or not. And that's pretty motivational because we're all kind of working towards the same prize. We don't offer that to contractors. That's only to employees. The other thing is, you know, it helps that we're doing cool things and people want to, when you're doing cool things, people want to be on your team. So you don't have to try as hard. I don't know how else to say, you know, when when you're changing the world and people know what you're doing, they kind of are willing to do almost anything to work for Mm -hmm. you including taking less pay. Mm. Do you find that people that you hire are more motivated by recognition, purpose, or money? It's a wonderful question. I don't think money is the motivator for most of these people. I think they need money, but I don't think money is what makes them happy. I think they like being part of something that's changing the world. You know, and I think they love to hear the stories from the people, the customers, the fans, you know, that motivates mm-hmm. them. That makes the tough days worth it for them. So I try to share those success stories when they come in to me as the CEO with the team and our staff, private staff, Facebook groups and stuff. And people love that. They also just love it when I go live like every Friday and just kind of announce like, here's what's going on inside the company. They like to hear the updates. They love watching our little documentary called The Journey just to see what's going on. I don't know. It's kind of hard to describe the motivations as to why, but we've had very little turnover inside the company. As a matter of fact, one person died, one person retired, and one person was fired, Jeez. but we've never had anybody actually up and quit on us. So That know, says a lot. Yeah. 
When you say that, you know, you don't think many of your teammates are motivated by money and you have that low of a turnover rate. So then that must mean they're getting the recognition that they find fulfilling. How is it you recognize your staff, your team, and how do you make them feel important and significant? You know, I don't think recognition is what everybody wants, Shalene. I think it might be important maybe to you and some of your team, but I think they just want to feel like they're doing important work. And um, isn't that recognition? I mean, isn't that being recognized that you're 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 being noticed? Like it maybe what's significant? I don't know. I think everybody finds reward in different ways, right? Like so. So I don't know whether like for one person it might be that they really need words of affirmation and and recognition, and for other people it might just they need to feel like they're doing something that is an accomplishment. Like I'm one okay. of those. I'm, I'm one of those. Sorry to interrupt, but I just yeah. want, I want to like drill that down a little bit more. When you say, you know, one person might need recognition, one person might need something different. Do you know specifically what that is for each one of your key team members? Yes. Okay. I become a student of every single person on my team, and I kind of know like some people love this work because of the flexibility of the job and that they can work on their own schedule. Some people love working for this company because they like making things and mm-hmm. they get to see the fruit of the labor that they you know, put in. I'm one of those kind of people. I don't need recognition from people. I just like to make things. And then I like to see people using the things that I make. So it's not really recognition as much as it's accomplishment. You know, it's a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm, so it's, mm-hmm. I become a student. I try to become a student of every core employee inside the company and really know who they are at the core and what they value the most. And then I just work with each of them very closely to try to develop them and work with them. And, you know, it is kind of one of those things that I'm just not a master at yet, but I'm not like one of those kind of people that say, hey, everybody, because we're a distributed company, Shalene, even though we do have a corporate office here in San Diego, and there's only about nine of us, maybe 10 of us working out of corporate headquarters, everybody else is distributed all over the place. So Mm -hmm. it's harder when they're all over the place to kind of do that recognition. So Instead, it's a lot of one-on-one conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Do you think someone who doesn't have that type of emotional intelligence, because that's what I would call it. If you, know, you say you're a student of people, I get that. I understand that. You, you study, you listen, you pay attention. You, don't, you really think about how each person is an individual. But gosh, some people just don't have that naturally. Can you be a successful leader if you don't have that emotional intelligence and connection to people? I think so. I think it just, this is where Strength Finders really comes in handy, right? If you mm-hmm. have everybody in your team take the Strength Finders test, including yourself, and then you begin to recognize what the strength of every person is inside your company, and then you play into that strength for them. Because like for me, strategy is my number one strength. I'm mm. really strategic. And everybody in the company knows that. So when they come to me, they often come to me with a problem that they can't figure out how to solve, and I instinctively know how to solve it because I'm a strategist. That's how I think. The second thing on my list is I'm a developer. So I love working with people to help them accomplish whatever their mission is. So I don't know if those things are necessary for someone to be a leader, but when you know what your strengths are and you know what the strengths of other people are inside the company, then it's just it's kind of rewarding for them when you come to them and you say, hey, I know your expertise is this. I want to get your advice on some stuff. I want to get your feedback. For a lot of people, just being part of the decision-making process is like a big deal for them. Yeah, it is. And we will link to the Strength Finder quiz online so that you can take a look at that yourself. 
what do you think causes certain people? And we, you know, we probably both know them. They have just insane turnover. Like they're just, I don't know. You probably don't watch reality TV. But oh no, I, I do. The- I watch it. I watch a lot of it. Oh, you do? Okay, cool. So I watch on Bravo the show called Flipping Out. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't seen that one. Okay. Well, it's a show based around an LA designer named Jeff Lewis. And I've been probably watching it for more than 10 years. And every season, it's a whole new staff, a whole new staff. And a lot of the season kind of revolves around like um, (laughs) him being frustrated (laughs) and and people quitting, crying, like, you know, just turnover, turnover, turnover. And, you know, I, I have friends even who just can't keep staff. They just can't keep staff. I have my own opinion, but what is your opinion of what's the number one mistake people are making who have regular turnover and just find themselves picking up the pieces and taking back on the responsibilities that they once had delegated to someone else? Okay, this is going to be kind of a roundabout way of answering your question, but I have these little six things that I preach inside the company, and I think if anybody who's listening follows these things, you will have very low turnover. First of all, clear communication. So in the case of this guy, my guess is he is not clear in his communication. He probably yells at people, tells them what to do. And when they're not sure, they do it anyways. And then it comes back wrong. And then he freaks out. Am I right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're not- <laughs> you sure you haven't seen the show? No, I haven't. So clear <laughs> communication is the number one problem inside a business right now. And I preach this internally. You must be clear. That means when you say something to someone, you ask them to repeat it back to you. Tell me what you're hearing. Okay. Yeah. And then if you know that person- isn't really good at taking notes or whatever, you say, please write that down. Or you even go out of your way to email them a summary of it just to make sure it's clear, okay? And that way, it's like not just the telephone game, it's crystal clear. It takes extra time, but it forces them to be on the same page as you. That's the first thing. Second thing is I preach follow through. So I tell everybody, if you say you're going to do something, you better do it. And Mm -hmm. I expect that of you. You like follow through on what you say. And a lot of times when people don't follow through, that's when they lose their job, right? Because the Mm -hmm. boss is expecting that you're going to do what's asked of you. But if you don't understand because there's not clear communications, you're not going to be able to follow through. So you have good follow through. Mm -hmm. The third thing is be timely. It's really, really important for business that people get stuff done in a timely fashion, right? And people that are not timely, that just say they're going to get to it and never get to it, often work their way out of a job. The fourth thing is do what you say. So if you say you're going to do it, then do it. So those are the first four that that are really critical. Clear communications, follow through, be timely, do what you say. The last two are the escape valve. Ask for help. Okay. And remember, we are a team. So Mm. ask for help means you give the permission to give the person permission to ask for help if they don't understand or if they're confused or they can't figure it out. And this is where a lot of people spend a lot of time doing what they think is best, but they don't ask for help and they spend an outrageous amount of time on it. And as a result, they're not being timely. They're not being clear in their communication and the whole thing falls through the system. And mm-hmm. then the last thing is remember we're a team. And what does the team do? The team has got each other's back. You ever watch SEAL yeah. Team? Do you know that show? Oh yeah. So SEAL Team, they have a brotherly connection that is unshakable. And if you remember right. we're a team, it means that you and everybody else on the team needs to forgive people for their mistakes. They need to understand that we're all in this together. And that it's okay if we make mistakes. And when you have all six of those things in place, it's like magic. It's beautiful. And my guess is none of that is in place in that show. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is true. And I think 
partly the reason why things are always falling apart for him is that he just is unrealistic, unempathetic, and overreacts. Yeah. You know, I, I think you have to factor in that people want to feel good. People want to be good at what they're doing and they want to feel good about showing up for work and they want to believe that what they're doing is appreciated. And if those things aren't happening, like it's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And that's where you can say, hey, you've done a good job. You know, a little bit of affirmation in an intense workplace is probably could go a long way. Gosh, so far. You mentioned follow through. Mm -hmm. Do you use a management program to track projects and employee responsibilities? Yes, we use Trello. Are you familiar with Trello? Uh-huh. Yep. We've used Trello. Have you used others? Uh, well, some of our teams use Asana. Um, mm-hmm. I personally like Trello because I'm a visual person. Sometimes yeah. we'll use Google Docs. Like it. It's whatever system works best. Sometimes it's just email, you know, with star starring things so that, <laughs> or sending a message to yourself and then snoozing it to come back like in two days or whatever, you know, or sometimes it's the calendar, mm-hmm. just putting reminders on the calendar. Yeah. You mentioned that you've only had to terminate one person. When do you know this relationship is no longer serving either of us? And how do you handle it? How quickly? What's the recipe, if you will, for knowing when it's time to, because it's expensive to find somebody new and to retrain them. How do you know it's time to get rid of this person versus, as you mentioned, develop them? It's really hard to get fired from my company. This person was with me for 25 months and I'm a big believer in developing people. And first of all, what I've learned is you want to make sure you hire the right people from the beginning. You know, that was mm. one of the mistakes that was made in this situation. But the ideal is to like to keep working with them and be constant in your communication with them and set those expectations and say, Hey, look, you're not delivering here. You're not delivering there. Maybe I could help you. Let's spend some time together and talk through this stuff. Or here's a course that I'm going to buy for you. Take this course and just keep working with them. And then occasionally you need to get to the point and you need to say, we need to have a come to Jesus conversation. If you do not change, you will work yourself out of work. Are we clear? A lot of times that will wake people up in a pretty substantial way. But eventually, if you realize no matter how many times you try with this person, it's just a nightmare and they're just going back to their old ways and it's just not working out. It's at that point that you need to do yourself and your team a favor and get rid of that person. And just tell them, hey, it's pretty obvious to both of us that this job is not meant for you because I set all these things in motion. I've tried all these things and it's just not working out. So I'm going to free you. You know, I'm going to relieve you of your duties so that you can now go do what you're meant to do because it's clearly not with my company. I love it. I will often hear from entrepreneurs who will they'll bring on, let's say, a, a part-time temporary virtual assistant as their first hire. Things go really well at first and then eventually they coast into autopilot and, you know, not in touch with that virtual assistant as often, not maybe giving them the one-on-one interaction, the personal attention, but they're just expecting them to do their job as they should be. They're paying them. But then quality of work starts to drop off and, you know, things aren't going as well. They're still not in contact. And then they just decide, you know, this person's not working out. I should just let them go. Yeah. And that's a mistake. Because okay, here's the thing, if you, if you hire someone that's really good and all of a sudden things aren't good, mm-hmm. you need to kind of take personal ownership for the problem because it's probably related to you. And I have a little model that I use, which I would strongly recommend everybody use. You get on the phone with this person or you have a face-to-face with this person. First thing you ask them is, hey, how's everything going in your life? Anything going on that's stressing you out? 
And if they say, yeah, I didn't tell you, but this is going on, or man, yeah, everything's going great. You know, then what you do is you say, okay, good. I'm glad to hear that there was something going on and I didn't know about, or I'm glad to hear that there's nothing going on. Now I'm going to share with you one of my concerns. So you had a chance to listen to them and truly understand what's going on in their life to help set up this next step. I've noticed this, this, and this. How can I help you in that area? What can I do to help you get better in these areas? So it's not what can you do, it's how can I help you, right? So that's the next step. Like, like these are areas we need to improve email communication or taking ownership. I've noticed this. Here's a couple of examples. You know, how can I help you improve in this area? And usually they'll be very open to receiving this because you started with asking them how their life is going. And then you made an observation. And then you asked, how can I help you? And then you end the call with, okay, well, here are some steps that I would like you to take. Are you okay with taking these steps? Repeat back to me what you're hearing me say. And then boom, usually they'll be very happy because the alternative is, hey, you know what? I noticed you made all these mistakes and I'm not happy. <laughs> wow. You see the difference? I do. And Mike, this is why I love having you on as a guest because you give such specifics. Like those are specifics. I hope you guys wrote down some notes and save that in your phone someplace because you're going to need that at some point. And that's really a powerful way to. Yeah. The moment you think you want to fire someone, you, 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 you do that. Of. Yeah. You do that because you know what? They'll be so loyal to you if you do that over and over and over again. And, you know, most people will say, oh my gosh you know, thank you. You know, like, I appreciate you listening to me and thank you for wanting to help me. I really, really want this job and I want to keep working it. You don't even need to tell them anything about the job, but it happens a lot. Then you just say, look, this has been happening a lot. So, you know, maybe it's time for us to like dig deep or whatever, but yeah, do this with the right people and they'll come back and you'll realize you're part of the problem. Almost always you are part of the problem. Mm -hmm. That self-awareness. What is the most valuable trait do you think employees or, and or consultants can bring to a team? <sighs> That's a hard question to answer because it really depends on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you're going with that question. Tell me a little bit well, more. I mean, like for me personally, I can tell you they just aren't willing to hit an obstacle and see it as an obstacle. Like for me, the most valuable members of my team, regardless of their skill or position, is the person who's like, well, I'm going to figure this out. There's got to be a way. This is not the End of roadblock the it seems to be. Yeah. 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 I think it depends is the answer, right? If you know what your skills are and you know what kind of people you want around you, then you identify what that is for you. And then mm-hmm. when you're hiring people, you, you ask the right kinds of questions to make sure that they're actually going to be the kind of person you want them to be. And if you already have them and they're not that kind of person, then you just mm-hmm. start coaching them and training them and working with them and sharing what you heard on a podcast or sharing articles with them and just doing team trainings, which we do all the time, you know, um, and that's how you can kind of let everyone know this is important to you. Do you have organized team trainings and can yes. you share with us what that might look like? Yeah. We, every month we get all the division heads together and we have a 90 minute meeting. And a lot of times I will lead with some sort of challenge that we're facing inside the company. So for example, let's just take the topic of delegation. That was one of the things that I spent about 20 minutes talking about. It was very interactive, very much like the Socratic method by asking people questions and getting them to engage. And then I had a chance to teach a little from my experience about the importance and power of delegation and how to do it right. And then, of course, I would work with employees afterwards when I noticed that they had delegation problems, and I would remind them of the things that we did in that training. 
because that's, I think, really, you know, that's one of the things that as you get bigger, it becomes really important that you know how to delegate and you do it well. Mm. It's just so one, one of many it, things. I'm, uh, hearing you correctly is it's organic. You're not just going, okay, so we're planning out the year. In January, we're going to talk about this. In February, you're really looking at the challenges or areas where you see room for growth within your organization Correct. and designing trainings around that. Absolutely, yeah. That's What's your opinion on becoming close friends with someone that you work with or friendships in the workplace? I don't have a problem with that. The person I fired, I'm still friends with, surprisingly. <laughs> um, I don't really have a problem with that. I think that if you truly believe that you're a team, well, then why not? I mean, like you want people to have that bond. I don't really like what I don't do with my employees is I don't like necessarily like have them over and hang out at my house or anything. But I do consider myself very close to these people. And I think if you think about the time you invest in a friend and you think about investing a similar amount of time in a business employee, you know, you can still do that during the nine to five or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's true. So can I ask why that you have that boundary where you're like, well, you know, I'm friends with them. I care about them. I think about them. I, you know, respect them, but I'm not having them over on the weekends to hang out. Why? Why is, is that? Yeah. That because I need to escape sometimes from the business and I need my weekends mm-hmm. to just kind of unwind and be with my family. And I don't work from home. So for me, it is kind of a opportunity for me to just disconnect from the work because I am a workaholic. And I know that if I brought them into my home, then my wife would not be happy with me. Because <laughs> it would turn to work. <laughs> yeah, it would just turn to work because it's natural that it would go there. But what we do do is we go to conferences together and, okay. and we hang out nonstop when we're at conferences. And that's really when the bonding gets the chance to happen. Okay. Personal question. Would you ever hire someone who had exceptional skills? Like they, you know, blew everybody away during the interview process, but you really didn't like them. Like there's just something about them. You're like, I just don't want to spend time with them. They're so good at what they do, but just not my kind of person. Would you hire that person? If you're feeling some sort of weird, wrong vibe about the person, then I would never hire that person because I think that you've got to trust a little bit of your instinct. You know, there's things about people. There's some people, like I said, that are amazing salespeople. They can sell you, you know, on Hmm. themselves, but if you're not sensing, if something seems a little bit off, you need to trust yourself a little bit on this because you're sensing something that you can't put your finger on and it might be a bigger problem down the road. You could work with them as a contractor and try them out. That'd probably be the better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is great stuff. Well, Michael, I just can't thank you enough for sharing with us your wisdom. I mean, these are important traits. We think about business so often in terms of marketing and social media and proving our reach and improving our systems, but all of those things can only grow if we've got the right people in place. And having the right people in place means we've got to work on our own skills. So, so much of what you've shared with us today are tangible things that I think people really need to think about how they can develop and improve these areas. Because if you improve these areas, you improve the people that you attract and you start to attract better people. You start to grow at a rate that's faster and easier. Wouldn't you agree that like success is so much easier if you've got really great people around you. It's the key to everything. And I just want to say kudos to you, Shaleen, for asking me about these things. No one's ever asked me these questions before. So it's not really? like, I, no, never. I don't go around talking about this stuff. So for me, uh, other than internally inside the company, I preach it almost all the time. But this is so important because in the end, you know, I've been in business now for 22 years and you got to really, you know, be smart about who you bring around you because 
really amazing people will allow you to be in business for 22 years, you know, and you think big picture, you know, that's a really, really, really important trait. You'll never, ever be successful if you have to constantly hire new people all the time. Do it Mm -hmm. once, take your time, get it right, reap the benefits down the stream. Take your time. Well, those are great words for us to close this interview out on. Um, Michael, again, I can't thank you enough for sharing this inside look at what you do and your team. And I'm just certain that social media marketing world is going to be your biggest, most successful event ever. I can't recommend it enough. It is like the coolest thing ever to go to. Thank you. So cool. There's nothing like it. Thank you. Yeah, it's in San Diego, March 20th to 22nd. Just Google social media marketing world. But Shaleen has been awesome enough to grace our stage at least, I don't know, two or three times. So thank you for yeah, being part of that in I the love past. It. Absolutely. A must attend. You know, people always ask, what are the conferences that you recommend? And there are many. I try not to go to too many conferences. I really prefer quality over quantity. And uh, this is one you don't want to miss. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks again for being here today on Build Your Tribe. Been my pleasure. If you liked this interview, then you are going to love Social Media Marketing World 2019. It is hosted by Michael Stelzner. It is the industry's largest conference of its type, all focusing around social media. It will take place March 20th through the 22nd in San Diego, California. And yes, Shaleen will be there along with many other experts, all sharing their tips and techniques to grow your following and your business. To find out more and to get your tickets, go to www.shaleenjohnson.com forward slash SM19. That is www.shaleenjohnson.com forward slash SM19. Make sure you get your tickets soon because I know Shaleen would love to see you there. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.